won the biggest championship, and that's the championship of life. Well, we're standing here right now because we haven't won enough. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, driving to the middle of nowhere time, news breaking while we're in southern Illinois time, Tennessee needs a new football coach time, Danny got to stay home all weekend time, whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, Wes Rucker here with Danny Parker, the artist also known as Big Huge and Roast Beef, and Patrick Brown, who uh, we, we don't really have a nickname. You know, there's Pat, there's PB. We need some more damaging personal info before we give a, a nickname, so we're we're working on I'm that. Just, I'm just such a nice guy that you guys can't come up with any sort of disparaging. Of course, now that I say that, you guys, are, that's all you're going to think about for the next. Patrick is the nicest human being in the world until you put I'm him not, behind the wheel of a vehicle. I'm not the nicest guy. I can be kind of an kind of a jerk sometimes when you put him behind the wheel of a vehicle that the memphis comes out of of pat that there's no doubt yeah and i had to uh spend most of my sunday behind the wheel driving you back yeah and i slept for the first like two hours yeah uh west and i were in columbia the the govals 24 7 team was was split up strategically uh as danny pointed out at monday's press conference he complained that our family had not been together for a while and it's it was true. the truth, and I, I completely, I completely can relate and sympathize with that. It felt kind of like empathize, I should say, not sympathize. Boys to men on kind of an R and B tour with Wanye or Sean, just <laughs> nowhere to be seen on stage. It's like, you know, the bass. I don't know. It, it, it just, there was a moment where where Bohemian Rhapsody came on the uh, satellite radio during the trip, and we had to only perform it with two people and it's just not the same yeah you really need like three or four people to really perform bohemian rhapsody yeah but fortunately all all five of us were able to perform the coverage of the butch jones firing so so grant uh grant and danny were here in knoxville not not in the fort rucker studio yes to my knowledge were you in my house when i wasn't here (laughs) danny did you smell I'll roast the beef? Fifth on that. Thank you. I, I Did came you back smell and, roast beef when I, you got in here? I came back and it was a lot cleaner than it was when I left. Were there I know empty that. cups of Zach sauce in your <laughs> trash can? <laughs> there was like some sort of an onion ring sauce that I found. Mm-mm, that ain't daddy. <laughs> I, I didn't think so. So, yeah, Patrick, continue. I just wanted to make sure Danny wasn't in my house at the Fort Rucker studio this weekend. Uh, yeah, D- Danny and Grant were here. Grant covered the basketball game, the, the home opener for the Hoops team on Friday night. Wes, Grant, uh, Wes, Ryan, and myself were in Columbia watching the final game of the Butch Jones era. Danny was at the Fulton Knoxville Catholic game. Go Irish on Friday night. In Go the Irish watching former Tennessee commitment Cade Mays, Mays mm-hmm. and his brother Cooper Mays and Deshaun Bustle and several other top kids. Brian Tucker, yeah, Brian Tucker, one of the better sophomores in the country. So uh, Wes and I got up in Columbia around eight local time. Sunday morning, thereabouts. Just hopped in the car and drove. Pretty much it. <laughs> we were, you were out for the first hour. I don't know how I stayed awake for the first hour. I remember closing my eyes the and then I woke up. Hour? We, we, we were east of St. Louis, and I was like, "Yes, hey, yes. hey!" You, you woke up uh, just as we passed St. Louis, which I think is uh, fitting, given that you hate the Cardinals and probably don't like St. Louis. The toasted ravioli is good. Everything else can go to hell. Best best fans of baseball. 
The arch is just ask them. They've done some changes the, around it. The arch is it's a it's a cool looking downtown from when you look at because of the arch. Anyways, oh look, we have a semicircle sitting in the middle of the town. That's uh, great. We we were somewhere. Wes and I were somewhere in southern Illinois when our phones start start going off. Uh, I believe Bruce Feldman of of Fox Sports, right? Is he still with Fox? Uh, SI, I think now. Um, anyways, Bruce Feldman is as good as there is in this business. If yes. he says it, it's true. And a nicest guy there. Yes, uh, very down to earth. Not some of those national guys are very. When you're around them, you can tell how highly they think of themselves. I've never got yeah. that vibe from Bruce, although I've never actually talked to him. No, I, I know the guy pretty well. He and Staples are both real. He and Andy Staples are both yeah. really good guys. Yeah, and so he he puts out there that that Butch Jones has been fired. We start getting where Brady hoax the interim team meeting at this time, uh, all these things, and and the Govals twenty four seven team sprung into action. Ryan was with his uh, his wife and his young son driving back from St. Louis. They have family there. So I, I'm presuming that his wife drove while he worked. Uh, Danny and Grant well, were on. It, does he ever really <laughs> work? Uh, relatively speaking, yes. Okay. Um, and so yeah, we we had it helped that we had the. Um, I titled the obit in the system. Yes. Which was the Bush Jones's fired story. That's the that's the news term. <laughs> that's for the news term. Uh, it was not supposed to publish on our board for a brief moment that way, but it did. Um. <laughs> Part, uh, pardon our mistake. Pardon, and of course, our, pardon our progress. And then, of course, we had the hot board ready to go within um, minutes. The hot board was ready to go. We started working on the hot board, and we got asked this a lot on, on our board when we started working on that thing. And we started working on it after the Georgia game. <laughs> yes. uh, we had it fully ready to go after Tennessee lost at Kentucky two weeks ago. Did not have to use it. I believe I first suggested the hot board en route to Gainesville, actually, <laughs> <You> <laughs> for seeing have. a Tennessee loss and then what would come <laughs> shortly like, after Yeah, we, we need to have this ready to go, You, you might have. Uh, and so the one that got published, we had a, a few different names that bounced on it and then bounced off of it during the course of those weeks. Um, and that's the, the 12 that we had. Uh, we'll, we'll get more to the hot board stuff later in the week. But this... And I'm I'm hosting too much. I'm running on I'm I'm on West's territory. Dude, right here. host it. I don't care as long as it gets done. I'm, well, I'm not hosting. I'm just this guy I'm trying care. to segue. Uh, that that uh, this is this is the what happened. You know, how did this end? The Butch Jones firing press uh, podcast. There is no star of the GoVals 24/7 podcast. It is a team effort, sir. We are all. It's true. We are all. We are a team of equals, except for Ryan, who's just like one little notch below us. But. Mostly, by and large, we are a team of equals, and yes, the, we were we did strategically uh, keep Danny here over the weekend and be- Grant and Grant because Grant was going to stay for basketball, and then in case there was a presser, and Danny could do some recruiting stuff Friday night, uh, stay local, and then be able to help you know with some stuff from the game Saturday from Knoxville, and then be there just in case stuff hit the fan, and of course stuff hit the fan. So kudos to us for planning. How about that? You plan something out and it it works. Although we did we did drive back from Kentucky at God knows what a.m. trying to get back in case there was a pressure that day. But here we but are. But that's a two and a half hour drive, and Missouri's a nine hour drive that you and I made in eight and a half hours. We got there. Angry. Because I was not messing around. Angry McMemphis over here behind the wheel. We we got there. But you know, it, it's we got we got in town probably about forty five minutes, maybe half an hour after John Curry's press conference ended. If he had scheduled it at seven, we would have been there. Yeah, and and we, I got out of the car at whenever we got to the rental car place, and then got back to to Pat's house, and then drove immediately to campus. And as soon as I walked up, we started a Facebook Live. Basically, <laughs> yep. here I am after ten hours on the road. This is what I look like. You're welcome, world. And we had stuff uh, to discuss. 
it, it's yeah. It, 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 we we felt, uh, and and I don't want to give Ryan much credit, and he, he's not here. But remember, he, remember one rung below on the ladder. He pointed out uh, when we did some Facebook Live after the game in Columbia that it felt like this was that that it was the end. It Fifty did. to seventeen, a thirty-three point loss to a team that began the year one and five that was picked to finish last in the East. Uh, that that turned out to be the final nail in the coffin. Now a lot of us thought Kentucky was going to be the final nail in the coffin, uh, but Tennessee had one more one more Saturday of humiliation to endure. Uh, before John Curry finally pulled the plug on Butch Jones. And I, I want to be clear about this. And I was on the field for the last, I don't know, five, six, seven minutes of the game, which I haven't been able to do in, gosh, probably five years or so, six years, go down for the final couple minutes of a game because it was such a blowout that I already had my story written and we only had a couple guys there, so I needed to get down there just in case. And I did not see Tennessee quit. I, I want to be clear about that. People who say this team quit, I do not think this team quit. I think this team uh, just got on fumes, basically. And, and what happens is you have to play football at this level. Even if you're playing in Missouri, no matter who you're playing, you're playing a team full of scholarship athletes with the strength and conditioning program that are capable athletes. And you have got to play at such an edge. You know, the, it's like I'm sitting here while we're doing this podcast and I have to watch the levels to make sure they don't get into yellow and definitely don't get into red. But, you know, you want to stay around a certain level. If you want to play football at the college level, really any sport at the college level, and you want to be good, you need to be spiking into the red all the time. That needs to be your default position. And I think this Tennessee team did not go through the motions, but I think so many injuries, so many losses, all the negativity, all these things, I think it just came to a point where they just stopped giving that extra 10% on the 110%. I think they just ran out of hope, more or less, uh, because they'd been dejected. You know, they, they gave a good push there to get back in the game. Uh, with that really nice uh, touchdown throw from uh, Will the Throw McBride. And then what did, what did they do? There's a minute left in the half, third and seven. Mizzou's trying to run out the clock. And boom, Mizzou gets a 64-yard run. Uh, they capitalize a couple plays later with a touchdown after a DPI call. And there they are with the lead and the momentum going into the half. So this Tennessee team, I think, just came out in the second half. McBride threw an interception, and I think well, the bottom just fell out. They had three turnovers on three straight offensive snaps. That's bad, right? That's not ideal. That's suboptimal. Danny looks like he's thinking. You have something to say, Danny? I was trying to put myself into the the shoes of the Presbyterian College football program, and just three turnovers, three plays may not be that bad in that situation. But that's true. If you're Tennessee, yes, it's below average. Yeah. I'll confirm that for you guys. And, and you know what, what was it? Five sacks. They just this team all se- the season this can't team, protect any, they can't protect a quarterback. This team this season has done so many things that you just wonder like like good football teams don't do that. Well coached teams don't. Well do co- that. you know well coached teams don't let a third and seven give up play at the end of the half turn into a sixty <laughs> four yard run that sets up a touchdown. It just don't doesn't happen. Wasn't well, that the first time we've seen that in recent years? By and, the way, and, and, and no. I've, I've said this for a couple years now. This has been kind of a running theme, and I've said it before, I'll say it again, Butch Jones had never been anywhere in his career longer than about four years, and I think the reason for that is when you stop buying what he's selling, you are done with him. And I think a lot of people in that program, it's not even that they personally hated the guy. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't, but you don't have to love a guy to, to play hard for him. I think they eventually just stopped believing the message. And when you reach that point, Ramey said it time and time again, it's just noise. All you're hearing is words. They don't mean anything. They're just words. And I think with the injuries, I think with some of the close losses, I think eventually these guys just 
stopped listening a little bit. I think I think they they lost the message. Yeah, and and this thing, this thing has been cracking and coming apart for a while. Um, you 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 ask different people what they think the turning point was, and you're going to get different answers. I think it was the South Carolina game last year for me. Yes. Um, but even then, you could tell it was kind of teetering a little bit because that team was playing, you know, getting by by the seat of its pants, and then they got obliterated by Alabama. But um, you know, they, they were getting down big at the start of the season with clearly the best roster in the East. Clearly. And, you know, having to, to win games and sort of like, how did that happen kind of fast? You know, they scored 38 straight points against Florida. They win the game on the Hail Mary. Uh, they got a lot of help in the Virginia Tech game you know, to wake up in that one. Um, <clears throat> and, and you look at some of the decisions and, and certainly none of the, the coaching hires that Butch Jones made this offseason have panned out. The only one that you could argue – that did pan out was Charlton Warren and Tennessee secondary Good football coach. And Tennessee secondary was awful on Saturday night. Um, cornerback safeties. I know Nigel Ware had a great play on the interception return. It was fun watching him run the ball back. Um, but none of those hires worked out. Larry Scott was a, was a hire that, that hasn't panned out. He's looked um, like a first year coordinator in the SEC. And then you even go back to, you know, the strength coach situation, you know, getting rid of Dave Lawson when he did, that did not, it, it did, it, it, torpedoed you could say the 2016 season and it hasn't helped you know and rock gullickson hasn't been able to turn it around overnight this season well here's here's where i am with this i think the thing that we missed and i don't want to say we completely missed it because we've mentioned it we definitely definitely mentioned it but the thing that i think we did not emphasize enough we mentioned it but not enough was you go back time and time again those last couple of years, right? Tennessee got in so many situations where it needed a special play. And guys like Josh Dobbs, sometimes Josh Malone, Jawan Jennings, you know, Jalen Reeves-Mabin, Cam Sutton, those guys would make that special play that helped them kind of overcome a bad situation and go win a football game. And all those guys are gone. Jawan Jennings was going to be the only one back Derek Barnett, how can I not mention Derek freaking Barnett? How many times he would go around there and make a play off the edge, get everybody fired up. But they didn't have that those guys going into the season. And those guys were kind of like going to Mariano Rivera out of the bullpen sometimes. They would go in there and make a big play and, hey, everybody's fired up now. We can win this game. And this team, when it reached those moments, it had nobody to go make that play. And – you're that many years into a program and you're banking on having some special players do some special things, you're in a tough place because you should have a culture in place where guys are ready to step into that role and move forward. And if you keep getting guys injured, eventually it stops being a just kind of an accident. Eventually it kind of becomes something you're doing or not doing that's probably not helping the situation. So this team needed some of those special playmakers and it didn't have them. And it was a bad time for a program to take a step back. I think a lot of those players, they'll never admit it. Uh, and they're going to say nice things publicly, as they should. Be respectful of your coach. But I, I, I don't – I know for a fact that there were some guys going into the season who just were not listening to him. They were, they were done with it. They were done hearing it. If we are sitting there at a press conference, right, and just watching and listening to him, and then we talk to him a little bit – and if we feel that way eventually about hearing him talk and what it's like and all that stuff, and imagine what it's like to be there every day going through it. And you can say, huh, I can imagine how people are tired of this. So this was something Tennessee had to do. 
it, it the cracks were there, and then they came wide open, and I did not see this thing getting getting back to where it needed to be with this staff. I think Butch Jones filled a need at a particular time for Tennessee. I think he did some good things. I think he left the program with more talent than it was when he got there. He won some big games. He got him back to being respectable. It's in better shape off the field. Yes, in a lot of ways. Cleaned up a lot of that stuff. APR. APR, for sure. But but and Tennessee made this change, and, and there's been a lot of you know. I guess one of the subplots when we look back at the Butch Jones tenure is, um, as stuff crashes around around us. We were trying to we were trying to take a power cord from Danny's laptop and get it plugged into the surge protector while we were talking, um, and then that happened. Okay, things happen, mistakes happen. What are you going to do about it? Now I got you off my train of thought. Snap and clear, Anyways, Patrick. One of the, you know, when we look back at, at, at Butch Jones' tenure, a lot of it's going to be about, oh, his, his press conferences, his cliches, things he said at inopportune times, the champions of life, the five-star hearts and all that. Butch Jones is unemployed right now because he didn't win enough football games in Tennessee. That's the bottom line. And, and there were games during his career, uh, and Grant Ramey did a, a look back at some of the, 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 you know, the, the most – the key losses of Butch Jones' tenure, and you go back to some of the games in, in 14 and 15 and 16, and, and there were just so many missed opportunities left on the table. Even the 2015 team that won six games to finish out the year, you, you left that season wondering, well, it should have been so much better. And then the 2016, 2016 team had the East on the line, lost to South Carolina, had the Sugar Bowl on the line, lost to Vanderbilt. Um, and, and really the Vanderbilt game kind of set the, set the stage for this season. I think you're absolutely right, Patrick. I, I think that's – that's something that, you know, that, that Vanderbilt game kind of was like Derek Dooley's loss to Kentucky. It, it just kind of put things on a different level where there was going to be more pressure and, and he was going to have to respond to that. And now we, we see that uh, there are two kinds of people, really, when you put pressure on them. There are those that, that shine and there are those who do not. Uh, and I think you saw this with Butch Jones throughout his coaching career. How many times in those situations? Now I'll say that not notwithstanding that Georgia Hail Mary, which was a great play, but you know Tennessee kind of bailed him out there a little bit. The players did. Uh, you go back and look time and time again. As soon as things would get to that crucial situation in a game, his instincts were just kind of to to clam up a little bit. They weren't to go out there and don't you know he would coach by fear and not by optimism and when you put those kind of guys under pressure, sometimes that, that's what you get, and that's people, – people can change, and, and I hope for his sake and his future career that he does, but to me, he just was not a guy who, when you got to those crucial moments, he was never a guy who was going to get you over the top more often than he didn't, and Tennessee needs to go get someone who has much more sort of true self-confidence and someone who the players will look in the eye in those situations and say – all right, I, I got you. I believe in you. And I, I don't know. I, I know that I know this. I know recruiting is important for Tennessee, and it's always going to be because as, as, as much improvement as we've seen in this state with the prospects, especially out of the Nashville area, which is one of the fastest-growing areas in the country, 80-plus people a day moving there, that, that's important. You have to be able to recruit. Uh, but even with all that stuff improving in the state, you're, you're not Florida – in that way you're not texas you're not you know lsu you've got to go across your borders and you've got to recruit heavily a lot of different places the southeast uh, the northeast the midwest the west coast you got to go places and so you have to be able to recruit but 
we've we've seen this with with as good as this league is right now, in terms of the coaching, in some places. I mean, and what I mean by that is, you know, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, Missouri, the teams that normally you would think would just kind of be pushovers, are not really pushovers right now. And you've got to go have a guy who can coach you up to go win in those moments. Because even really good SEC teams, look at at Alabama. It's in a couple of nail-biters every year, right? you got to have a guy who in those situations the players believe in. And correct me if I'm wrong or or just no comment if you want, guys, but I just never thought from about that the midway point or so, that second or third season, that Oklahoma game, there were a lot of things to me that were sort of alarm bells saying that this thing might not end well. Am I am I wrong there? Maybe I am. I think things did drastically drop off right after that that interception thrown in College Station. It felt like Tennessee was right on that edge of reaching the pinnacle of college football again. And I contended at the time that if Tennessee won that game, there was a decent chance they would go into the top five, be playing the Alabama Crimson Tide the very next week, who would be number one or number two. I'm sure they're number one at the time. And you have two top five arch rivals facing each other in in Knoxville. And clearly Tennessee was beat up for that game, and they were nowhere near what they were even a month prior to that game. But still, you know, it's you were right there on the edge of it, and I think you lost so much momentum. But on top of that, had they won at A&M, then you go into South Carolina, Vanderbilt, probably with a little more moxie about you, a little more savvy. Maybe you pull out one of those games, and you wind up in the Sugar Bowl. And I think – and people – and we heard people that were on the telecast Saturday for the Missouri game mention if Tennessee gets the Sugar Bowl last year, and I don't know if they would have beaten Oklahoma or whoever they would have faced at the Big 12, if they get to that game – I don't know if these conversations exist like they do this year. I, I really still think Butch Jones may be your head coach well, right now. If that had been the case, you would not have what you have right now, which is a third consecutive season that is not what it should be. And, and I think when you look at realistic expectations of what a team should be, that's how you judge a coach over the course of a season. Did this team, with what it had, with the schedule it faced, with the, with the breaks that it had for and against it, should this team have been – in where should this team have been eight and four should it have been nine and three should it have been ten and two eleven and one you look at where those teams should have been and I think this is the third consecutive season where Tennessee is is below where it should be and if it happens once eh, it happens happens twice it's not so good when it happens three times in a row you've got a major problem and that that's what I think this came down to I think Danny's right If, if that season last year they beat A&M, they just find a way to beat South Carolina or Vanderbilt, they're playing in the Sugar Bowl, and this year you're saying, ah, it's a down year, but, you know, last year was good and things are going to get better around here. It's the combination of things that got it to this point. And I will make no mistake about this, it is the way that his personality came across when he spoke publicly that also did not help him. Every time he had a press conference, it seemed like he was taking a shovel and just digging his own grave a little bit more every time he talked because he did not understand that people do not think the way he does and that he thought he could get away with telling people things that were not true. You have to level with people. You have to be honest with people. And you can't 
you know, but a couple of people told me this about Butch Jones, and I think it's 100% right. This is even people who worked for him told me that Butch Jones' problem, biggest problem, is that he can't tell people what they think. His problem is he doesn't tell, Butch Jones doesn't tell people what Butch Jones thinks. Butch Jones tells people what those people need to think. And that is a problem because that's not how this thing works. Yeah, and it seemed like a lot of a lot of times he would say stuff that wouldn't fit actual reality. It's like he had his own box of yes. of uh, his world that he viewed it this way, no matter what the evidence was to the contrary. Which is why some of the things he said uh, towards the end of last season, when Tennessee fans were clearly upset about what how that season had had played out didn't make any sense. And it's why uh, his attempts to point out, hey, look at what we've done. You know, when he would say at one point earlier this year, it was, oh, we're 21 and five in our last, or we're 19 and five in our last however many games or whatever that record was. A completely like, you're completely twisting the fact that you were four and five to end what was supposed to be a se- it was supposed to be the season a season you began in the top 10 and you know this you know, it's this many nine win seasons for the first time in this amount of time it's we haven't won three bowl games since the 90s yada 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 and I, I get why you would point that out there but maybe you shouldn't point that out there because Tennessee aspires to do so much more than just went three straight you know mid-tier bowl games. I think that's exactly that point, Patrick. That's exactly where Butch started to really anger a lot of Tennessee fans is when you say, yeah, we got to a bowl. Yeah, we won three straight bowls. We won nine games. It was such a small picture of thought for him to put that out there because Tennessee fans, they're not all 18 years old or younger. You know, you got to quit talking to the recruits at some point. There are the rest of us that saw the 90s, that saw the 85 team beat up on – Miami and the Sugar Bowl that, you know, that maybe were around for the 1967 National Championship team, that's the expectation. You know, getting to Atlanta, playing for an SEC championship, winning the division, being in a what once was a BCS Bowl, now a Power 5 Bowl, something like that, being in the Orange Bowl, something like that, not Tech Slayer, Franklin American Mortgage, Mortgage Music City Bowl uh, in contention for this year. Uh, w- from what I saw in the – the media room in Kentucky, the Meineke Car Care Bowl, things like that. That's not the expectation of Tennessee football. And when you talk about that, how great that is about your program, that's just going to undermine and belittle and just infuriate a very impassioned fan base. Yeah, and, and he it got to the point where, and I've said this before, the narrative of his final two years became the missed opportunities, whereas the first two years it was he's built Tennessee. loves the narrative. He, he's built Tennessee back, and he tried to combat that narrative, and he couldn't handle – uh, and and I don't mean to throw you out there like this, Wes, but you can speak to some of the, the thin skinness and some of the issues that he had with what was being said and written about him. Yes. Not saying that you were writing unfair things, but saying that um, – and Joe Rexroad of, of the Tennessean, his column on Butch was all about this. And encapsulated it. Yes. He hit him right between the eyes with fairness. Yes, absolute fairness. that you At a place like Tennessee, you can't get – so caught up in what somebody says about you or writes about you. If you don't like it, you can't – you just got to shake it off and move on. But yeah. Butch couldn't do that. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to – And this is a whole other podcast, yeah. honestly. No, I, I think the important thing here, and I don't want to completely throw a guy under the bus when he's gone, I'll, I'll say this. 
I, I don't need to mention specifics about some of the text messages and conversations that we've had over the years, but uh, he he is not always on the same planet that the rest of us are on. And he wants to control that planet and feed you things. It's like he thinks everyone will believe every word that comes out of his mouth, and if they don't, he's infuriated. He's a you're-with-me or you're-against-me guy, does not understand what the press is, the media's job is, and it, it, it sort of comes down to that. I mean, when you're threatening you know, people's access to, to practice and things and pulling their credentials when they've not broken a single rule that you have in your rule book, yeah, that's you need to be worried about other things. You need to be watching film of Florida. You need to be calling recruits. You, you don't need to be wasting your time doing things like that that are that are not going to help you in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but I, the, the way that I took a lot of these Butch Jones press conferences publicly, to me it's like this. Tennessee football is a great old house. You know, like this house right here that we're sitting in right now, the Fort Rucker was built in 1899. It's, it's an old house. Now it needed some work over the years. And when here's what Butch Jones did. He got to that old house that was used to be so beautiful. You know, he started fixing it up a little bit. He, uh, he, he did a couple of modern things, put in some new plumbing, you know, uh, got the electrical situation squared away, put some coats of paint on it, some good stuff, right? Uh, and then what he did was he took a match to it, and he burnt it down, and he's sitting there saying, while it's burning down behind him, he's saying, remember when I built this house? <laughs> it's like, bro, it's burning right now. Yeah, you know, here's the thing. Not enough people talk about all the work that we did to kind of, you remember what this house used to look like? You remember what this house looked like before we got here? It, it was so decrepit. Nobody wanted to come fix it, you know? And, and now look, look at what we did. We put this thing in and that thing, and you're like, bro, turn around. The house is burning. And, and it's he, burning because you lit it on and fire. And he never understood that at all or just didn't want to. And, and that was... It, it's why he, he would get testy when you asked him about decisions that were made. Yes. Like the chart decision. It's why he got snippy with a reporter on Saturday night after the game. At least you're consistent with your questions about asking. It was just a harmless question about his support from John Curry. A necessary question. A necessary question. Nobody, you know, there were questions about the game and all that, but uh, it was the big picture that was the big story Saturday night for, the, for Tennessee, and it turned out to be that it was the big, you know, it turned out that the, the future was resolved, at least the short-term future. And, and, and I said this too. And we'll wrap this up pretty quickly, but I'll say this because I think we got a couple more things we need to say and then we'll get out. But, you know, if you want to pick a fight with media, and I said this at the time, you can go back and look at the history on the board, on the checkerboard there at GoBall 24-7. You can look on Twitter. You can look at all the – go back and pull out radio interviews. I said this at the time. I said Butch Jones has, Butch Jones has just drawn a line in the sand. When you start picking fights like that publicly – You've drawn a line in the sand, and here's how this thing gets scored. If you win, you're right. If you lose, you're wrong. That's all that matters. If you pick that fight right there and your team rallies around you and you play good football and you start winning games, you're right and the media is wrong. If you start losing games and things spiral out of control, the media was right and you were wrong. And he drew a line in the sand at a really, really stupid time is what he did. He drew a line in the sand. You're with me or you're against me. The fish are coming with me. The Jerry Maguire stuff almost. And, and when you I'm do that, a list. yeah, <laughs> I got a list in my back pocket. Well, okay. I was on that list. That's fine. Not a big deal. I never really did anything unfair to the guy. 
I just covered him the way that the highest paid public employee in the state needs to be covered. You have to criticize. You have to question when the highest paid person in the state is not getting results. You have to question that. And whoever Tennessee hires next needs to be able to understand that. Now, you can sit there and you can state your case. Or you can say, you know what, guys, I don't want to talk about this publicly. You know, we, we've had some issues and we're going to work through them. And, you know, I probably could have done better coaching. You don't, have to, you don't even have to be specific. But Butch Jones never admitted anything that he did that was absolutely wrong. He would never mention specifically what it was. He could not admit fault. And no one follows a leader who will do that. You, you have to be accountable. Details, accountability, toughness. you got to be accountable. And Tennessee's next coach needs to be someone who understands how much he is going to be criticized no matter what. And he has to know that part of the reason you get that money is because you got to deal with that. And, and let's not – and we, we'll touch on real quick. There was some stuff out there that he was calling recruits and telling them not to go to Tennessee. There's been some disputes about if that was something he was doing to every recruit. Uh, I, I don't have any proof on that. I, I don't I don't either. Um, and, and let's keep this in mind, too. Butch is getting paid very well, is very handsomely to not be Tennessee's coach. Yes. Um, his The max buyout is going to be a little more than $8.2 million. There was no agreed-upon – buyout as some had reported uh and thrown that against the wall it didn't stick uh, scoreboard we got it uh because it it was basically as written in his contract is what is going to happen but and the buyout is that's the max number it, it could go down if he gets another job and that's any job doesn't have to be a head coaching job in college or if he even goes in and becomes an nfl assistant uh or special teams or something uh like that so uh, yeah and I think that this was an inevitable end for Tennessee really ever since the, the Georgia game. And you could even say the Florida game was the first sign that, that this team left it all out on the field that day and they lost because coaching. And that's a bad Florida team as we've been, uh, as we, as we've come to notice. And the thing that I hope we don't no, go ahead, Danny, go ahead. You've been sitting there too quiet. <laughs> just throw in it. And I said it in September. I thought that was the worst Florida team we've seen. This century, for no sure. You were right. Uh, you were right. No doubt. Hashtag Danny too. knew. Yeah, it was not a good team. I won't take much credit for that, but <laughs> take it. They were a bunch of poo. I'll just say that. Yeah, they're stinky. They ran by and they they reeked of poo. Yeah, and that's <laughs> and I hate to pile onto that team. God bless those kids. They're going through a lot right now. They're good kids. They're I'll trying be, hard. I'll be very nice about the Florida Gators, but but we're also comparing them to some of the elite teams the entire country the last 25 years. But either way, Tennessee should have won that game, and that was the beginning of the end in 2017. Yeah, here's the way I view this. I think that, and I hope we're doing this as media, and I hope Tennessee's doing this as a program, just just be done with it. Just move on and go to the next thing, you know. The, the man served his purpose. He took the Tennessee job. And he put he brought some players there. He did some things. He cleaned up some things. He won a couple games. He got people excited, uh, and, and he couldn't get them over the top. But that's all right. He did his job. Let him just move on. There's no reason to sit here and just completely soil the man's professional grave. I think now what we're going to do is tell you what happened, and I think we're going to tell you why it happened because that's what Tennessee need, fans deserve to know. They deserve to know why this thing got to where it is now, and and we have no problem telling that, but. You know, we're not we're not spiteful. I hope Tennessee, the administration, is not being spiteful. Just thank him for his time. 
and move on to the next thing and hope that you learn lessons from this that will make you better going forward. And now we see if John Curry gets to do that. You think he'll do that, guys? What do we think? I'm a yes right now. You're a yes right now? I don't think John Gruden's happening, but I think it's looking like the floor might be uh, a Dan Mullen type or even a Willie Taggart type, which would be an upgrade. And which, But I think both those guys could win big at Tennessee. I know Danny doesn't agree as much as some of us Danny, do. On. Danny's, Danny's waiting for Tennessee to hire Jesus of Nazareth, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> They're like, what? What? what, what we, would we don't you, need. We don't need to go down that trail. That's a whole separate podcast. What, what, what was? What, what was his record? How did he do? What? What, what was the uh, Israeli league like back then? You know? I was surrounded by people that absolutely <laughs> love Dan Mullen and everything he stands for. I love I, the I results. Mean, to clarify, I'm a yes right now on John Curry getting it right and getting a big time coach in here that I think Tennessee fans will be very happy and proud to get. And they may not be happy and proud at first because everyone is so focused on on John Gruden and think and thinks that if Tennessee doesn't get John Gruden, that they're not going to get a good football coach who can win here and, and get Tennessee back. It's been 19 years since Tennessee won in the SEC. That's far too long for this program. You, you know what that – And it's been a decade since they even got to Atlanta. You know what that sounds like to me, guys? Here's what that sounds like to me. That sounds like a really good way uh, to tease this. We're going to leave everyone off. And we're going to be right back tomorrow to talk about Tennessee's Hot board a little bit. Now, we're never going to give away everything because, listen, you got to pay for that. I said it on Facebook Live yesterday. I'll say it again. We'll show you a little leg for free, no doubt. But if you want the whole thing, you're going to have to pay us some money. But we're going to we're gonna provide some insight. We're not going to leave you freeloaders hanging. We'll give you some stuff, and we'll be back tomorrow to do that. Danny, final thoughts? Nope. <laughs>